This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by David Moore. Uh, Evan Grant's in Kansas City. It's where we like him. It's for the best. Yeah, it's for the best. At least for us. <laughs> it makes things a lot smoother. Can't speak for the Rangers themselves, but no, for us. Oh, no, no. That's not never a good thing. Uh, yeah, so we're here to talk about the Cowboys. Uh, last week, there was a, a rookie minicamp mm-hmm. uh, in which uh, players came in. and we... I always say rook- minicamp is a misnomer. It's yeah. more of an orientation. Orientation. It is, it is like So they're walking around camping with little, little beanies on and uh, <laughs> yeah. walking around and getting uh, slimed by the upperclassmen. This picture. Now, this picture came from <laughs> – this picture was taken in yeah. 1987. Yeah. So um, – uh, of the guys who, who, of course, now everybody showed up. All the all yes. the all the rookies showed mm-hmm. up, uh, and so we we saw things about the second round pick, Tristan Hill. We saw uh, things of, uh, and that was that's the one that stands out to me. And obviously, that was the big question. Sure, you know, Tristan Hill going with the uh, with the fifty eighth pick in the second round. Uh, was he was that too high to take him? He certainly has had the talent to justify that. Did he have the makeup to justify it? Uh, Kate Haropoulos did a story about uh, that and talk to mm-hmm. former coaches and what they said about him. After all that, what's your take on, on the pick? Well, again, our limited interactions with him, uh, very engaging, very personable. That's what he's supposed to be, yeah. Uh, acknowledged that didn't put it all off on like, well, these coaches just, just didn't understand me. He uh-huh. went, no, I, I was at fault in how I responded to what they were doing after the change. So he's saying the right things. But like anything, you have to actually get in and work and see uh, someone day to day and really in any setting in any industry to really understand whether or not those were legitimate uh, concerns. Or, you know, if it was just a young player who didn't handle a situation and, and the, the frustration of feeling like you were national champions and not recognized the year before and then losing the coach who recruited you and having maybe not getting along personally with with the staff that was in uh, that you overreacted to that and and took uh, uh, maybe a, a sense of entitlement attitude that you didn't really were in no position to take. So, yeah. um, you know, I think that's why. Now look, you know, defensive coordinator Rod Marinelli strives to develop a relationship with everyone he works with, and and you know we're focusing a lot on the relationship that that. Rod Marinelli and and Tristan Hill developed leading up to the draft. Um, you know, Tristan Hill said he would just call him Marinelli on his cell a couple of times, called him the week before the draft just to talk about things. Mm-hmm. Um, Marinelli would text him throughout, and and a lot's been made of that. Now Marinelli has since said, well, he does that every year, and he, there were five or six players 
in this draft that he worked out or, or interviewed during the process that he stayed in touch with. But in this case, where there are questions about a guy, uh, well, how could a guy this good not even start at US, you know, UCF his, right. his last year there? What's going on? Clearly, um, he was uh, and, and Josh rebelling against you know authority in some respect, or you know there were personality issues. So, so you're you're wanting to get to know that, and you want to understand whether or not you can motivate the guy, whether you can work with him. So, I, I think Rod Marinelli spent more time with Tristan Hill than he did others to help determine and come to a comfort zone that. No, I have no problem. We have a relationship. We can make this work. Uh, I want to kind of uh, kind of back up a little bit and, and talk a little bit more about all that situation because his coach, uh, his head coach, uh, in the last two years was uh, Josh Heupel, the former Oklahoma quarterback. Yeah. Who I will say, uh, the book on Josh Heupel is that sometimes he's a little hard to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, they certainly thought that at Oklahoma when he was yeah. the offensive coordinator, uh, that he was difficult to be around, a little arrogant. And, and so I could see how a, a, a player might have problems with that. My issue with Tristan Hill, not knowing him from Adam, mm-hmm. uh, is that uh, I, I found a story that talked about that he ran into problems with Scott Frost's staff. And Scott Frost is now at Nebraska. Uh, that was his coach there. He played for Scott and did very well, but they also uh, took him out of the lineup a little more often than they did his sophomore year from his freshman year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also times where they did not make him available to the media. And from my understanding, it was the issue they had was that, boy, this guy sure talks a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about a while ago that he's engaged. He's supposed to be very engaging. Yeah. And and apparently uh, some of the feeling is that he's a little too engaging, a little too running his mouth a little too much about, about things that he has no business doing that. I, I'm not saying that's what he's doing. I'm yeah. saying that's what Well, and the reports, too, it wasn't just say. a coach thing that some other players at UCF, there was friction and they didn't really like his approach and, and, and how he interacted. So, uh, look, th- there's something there that, that bears yes, watching. Now, does. Now, again – and something like that, I'm not even sure it's going to manifest itself in the first year because some yeah. of that comes from sure. when you're, you know, arguably one of the best players on the team, the dynamic is different. You can treat people differently than when you're working your way up. So I would not expect to see some of these things early, but that doesn't mean it's, if a player is predisposed and that's his personality as he gets comfortable, as he starts to flash his talent, as as he starts to go up on the pecking order of the team, right. then maybe you have some of these issues come up. So, Absolutely. so you know, a, a lot of this, I wouldn't expect to see any of this early. And, and I would be surprised if you did. To me, it's going to be – it bears watching as you go forward if he really is going to be a, a good player. And, and you talk about engaging – look, no one was more engaging in that locker room over the last couple of years than David Irving. Yeah. That's an excellent point. So I I don't, you know, and I think that's a great point you make too about going forward is what we see here. I I believe when it's in your personality to be this way, how do you change that? This is just who he is. So I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just saying that there were people who, who, coaches who who couldn't deal with him and felt like they sure. couldn't deal with him and they were going to say, all right, we're going to do this with you because we had trouble. Now, I will say no one apparently had any problem. Now, there are things he's supposed to be very raw, you know, and there are things he needs to work out. No one questions the effort on the field. Everyone talks about how hard he plays all yes. the time through the snap. I mean, that that there is no question about desire and as, as you hear so often with Rod Marinelli motor. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of coaches, and I think Marinelli is one of them, would argue that tells you more about someone's character than sometimes what he says or if he's difficult to get along with. If this guy plays hard every single time he's out there through the, you know, through the whistle, uh, that tells me more about who he is and, and his passion for the sport and his desire to be his football good. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah football I, I, character. Let's not talk about off-field character. No, 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 exactly, yeah. 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 Hey, but, but again, you're saying, okay, I can deal with the other. He has football character. Yeah. You know, if, if he's difficult to get along with at times, fine. Well, there's, listen, there's plenty of guys in the, in the NFL – who are a lot know, of alpha dogs, a lot of alpha dogs, yeah. a lot of guys out there. And, and, and to some extent, that's what you want. Exactly. You no know, question. There, there's there, there are guys you want like that on this team. Uh, it's just that w- what we've seen recently with the Cowboys is a young team on the rise with a lot of guys who really seem to be uh, team players, team oriented, mm-hmm. well liked in the locker room. It seems to be a locker room where everybody gets along really well uh, kind of remarkable for the Cowboys, actually, <laughs> yeah. uh, over the last 30 years, you could say, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, they haven't always had that. Even in, even when they were really good, they haven't always had that no. those elements for it. So it, it's uh, it's always a little bit intriguing. I, I'm not saying it was the, uh, the wrong pick to make at that point. Uh, you know, I make the argument that – just oh, I think he's going to have to be pretty good because, going to, he, because there were some good safeties there. There were some good You're going to see some here. good from Thornhill and, and or Rapp was still there from these guys. Uh, sure. You're still going Master to see. Adderley from yeah, Maryland. Adderley, especially those three. Let's see what those three guys do over the next two to three years. I, I think Hill's going to have to be pretty good to justify and maybe, going with him there. And, and maybe he, he could is, be. Of course, the point is, too, and I, and I, and I wrote this, and then and I got feedback from people saying that I said, you know, he was not projected to be a second-round pick. He was projected to be a third or maybe even a fourth that uh, old, the Patriots were going to take him You know, right after that. My point is is that if, if you're going to be true to your board and true to your players, because he was not even the top player on their board, no. Connor McGovern. Their third-round pick was their top player on the board. Yeah, at that, at that point. So if you're going to be true to your board, to me what you say is that if somebody else is, if somebody else is going to take this guy, fine. We're going to get the guy that we think is the best player and – that the we're going to have to play the game a little bit here. We're going to have to know that this is where everybody looks like they're going to take a guy, and, and, and we don't want to take a guy around or two rounds ahead of where mm-hmm. he could go if we don't have him rated that high. And so, and I'm with you. Of course, we heard from the Cowboy just ad nauseum that ah, we don't really care about safeties. We, oh, we'll just we'll evident. Some, we'll add some traffic cones back there, and and then yeah. just make people run around those. You know. Uh, it's just an amazing that you go from pursuing Earl Thomas so clearly, which a Hall of Fame safety, a special play. They, but yeah, they they and and, and certainly I'm not saying that any of these they, three they guys, would jump on a special safety in a second. Yes, obviously they didn't in their assessment. They could not project that Thornhill or Rap or Adderley would be a special safety. And you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. I did not see uh uh well, I didn't really see any any of them play a lot, but from what I know about them and what the little I saw them play, Rap seems more like a strong safety. He's he's a big mm-hmm. hitter. Yeah. Slow. He's, he runs a four seven forty. So how's he gonna be covering people? He's not a center fielder like Earl Thomas, mm-hmm. obviously. Um and then if you look at a Juan Thornhill, what they say about him 
fast, runs a 4-4, very quick, very smart, a lot of turnovers, not a big hitter, not mm-hmm. a, uh, and that's and that's a problem in this uh, in the, to me in the Cowboys secondary. That's yeah. a problem with Jeff Heath. That's missing, why we're talking about why they need missing too many to tackles. Upgrade that position. I believe, that according to Pro Football Focus, that Jeff Heath led all safeties in missed tackles. Mm-hmm. So uh, and, and then uh, Nasser Adderley is supposed to be more of a center fielder as well. Really didn't see him, and I and I would question at some point the quality of of, yeah. uh, of teams that he's playing against. Uh, but um, so when when Earl Thomas was coming out of Texas, I thought this guy is really special because mm-hmm. I did see Earl Thomas play a lot at Texas. I saw him make a lot of plays. You know, saw what kind of player he was. You know, always around the ball, always making big hits, really smart. I I really thought he was going to be a star because of the, what I saw. I I don't know that any of these guys had that same skill set as Earl. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to be that kind of thing. But Earl's also a Hall Probably of Famer. Probably not. They're all second-round picks, and Earl yeah. was taken in the first. So yes. Yeah, and he's a Hall of Famer. You know, he's an, he's an, These he's, guys were the best safeties in this class, but that doesn't mean that it does they compare to the you know safeties it, who were taken in the first round in previous drafts. But, you know, does it have to be that? You know, and, and I have to ask the question, too. Uh, I, I want to – you know, the Cowboys were, were saying, well, okay, they're, they're not that special – Let's let's go back to last year when Derwin James dropped out of the out of the he was uh, special of the top what 10 we've picks. seen early yeah, yeah. and the, and the they Cow- could have gone there and they went linebacker Cowboys could have gone there and again go- no complaints with Leighton Vanderosh but there would be no complaints with Derwin James back there right now no either. there wouldn't either and I, and I I got I got to tell you um, then you could take a linebacker this year in the second round yes you could have. <laughs> it's kind of my point I, I think the deal was that that of course they had a needed linebacker and and you didn't know what Jalen Smith was going to do and Jalen has turned out very well he, look he's turned out to be everything they hoped he was going to be mm-hmm. in my estimation so uh, that that pick worked out great when they made it and you had him. I do. Th- I just think for all the talk about how we've devalued safeties, I think it's easier to find linebackers than it is really quality safeties. Yeah. And I think we'll th- we look look what Derwin James did for the Chargers last year. Mm-hmm. He was a difference maker. They lined him up all over the place. Yep. He was doing all kinds of things back there. That was to the thing. You're right. You know, he he went at 17. Cowboys picked at 19 and took Leighton Vander Esch. You know, to trade up two picks. Would have been nothing, mm-hmm. you know, for them to do that. So, uh, and 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 the, and the Cowboys were just like, no, we're not thinking about late. We're not thinking about Derwin James at all. They were targeting Leighton Vander Esch all along. They loved him, you mm-hmm. know. And and you know, he he certainly looks like the real deal. Uh, I'm just saying that uh, if I look at those two athletes, uh, first of all, Darius Leonard was a better linebacker than. Uh, than Leighton Vander Esch, uh, and that's why he was a defensive rookie of the year. Second-round pick. Yeah. Yeah, and he was a second-round pick. I just think that it's a little easier to come up with that than that quality. And I just think more than anything, it shows you what the Cowboys think about safeties. If you didn't think that Derwin James was special enough to trade up two spots for to get after he dropped out of the, out of the top ten, which, you know, shows you what the rest of the league thinks about safeties you yeah. know, as well. Sure. My, my point is always – yeah, I get it. I understand about the position and what you're saying about it. Now, it has always been the case. But when the Cowboys have drafted a first or – and I'm not talking, counting Byron Jones. When they have drafted a safety in the first or second round in the Jerry Jones era uh, – error. Error. <laughs> maybe, well, that's, that's, maybe it is an error. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's, <laughs> uh, that's not that's, a Freudian slip. No, maybe, maybe that's not. an actual uh, new marketing phrase. Yeah. yeah. They've only done it three times, first yeah. or second round. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, Darren Woodson, that's mm-hmm. Roy Williams, and that's Tony Dixon. That's one miss out of those three. The other two guys are, are were pro bowlers, mm-hmm. and you can make the case if, if the game hadn't changed so much uh, and, and Roy Williams – I remember Darren Woodson told me one time he's the – 
He's the best football player I've ever played with. Really? That's what he said about Roy Williams before they had a, the game changed and box safeties were out. Uh, so but part of that tells you too is they won't pull the trigger there unless in their minds. No, it's this that is level. A special guy. Yeah. It's yeah. A, and and again, if you want to look at how things are ordered on defense, and now we're not even talking about offense, but but on defense, certainly the the two defensive ends and the rush tackle carry more weight. Oh yeah. Both corners carry more weight. Yeah. Two of the three linebackers carry more weight. You're, and, and, and the free safety carries more weight. So, so you're looking at strong safety, strong side linebacker, and one technique defensive tackle yeah. are your three lowest rated positions on defense in their mind. Mm-hmm. And, and now you're not even talking about all the ones on the offensive side of the ball that you rate higher, which is basically everyone in the offensive line, quarterback, running back, receivers, tight end. So when you're, lock, you're looking at your top 22 putting together a team, in their minds, safety is the 18 to 22 range. Oh, absolutely. And I don't, I don't know that I disagree with them. I mean, everybody, yeah. you got to know what your team is, and this is what we do, and, and this is how we think. I'm just saying that when you have, an ability, you have the, uh, the potential of upgrading – Sure. Uh, at position, and they and they just feel like that with Georgia Loca, you know, that he's going to play a little bit, and and Jeff we'll see. Heath, yeah, well, and maybe and maybe not. I'm not sure that Georgia Loca is better than Jeff Heath. He may not at this be. stage of his career. He may not be. So we'll we'll find out. And they're and they, and look, they just rash, rationalize this too by saying, well, one, this is, you know, over time, and we're all in agreement. This is how we. This is our pecking order on on, on the importance and the weight that we give all of these positions. But two, they're going to say. Well, you know what? Could we be better at safety? Yeah. Were we a top 10 defense in each of the last two seasons? And were we like a top five scoring defense this past season with a, a safety play that we felt in some ways was substandard? Yes. So, of course, they're not getting how any bad off are we? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not. And, they get, and to me, that's the thing. They, they, they can't be an elite defense or a dominant defense until they talk, start to get turnovers. They're a very good defense. You can even say an outstanding defense, but they're not a dominant defense. And to do that, um, they're going to have to get more sacks and they're going to have to get more turnovers. Yeah, no question about it. All right, let's look at a couple other little spots here. Uh, I don't know why I'm so intrigued by him, but uh, the the free agent from Kentucky, Chris Westry, uh, was was he out there last week? Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he was so much taller than everyone he's else. Six four, right? Yes, and a six and four corner. Six one is a tall corner. Oh my! And this guy's six four. Six four, and he runs a four three. Yeah, and it was it was interesting because Michael Jackson, who was their fifth round pick, uh, is a tall corner, so over six one from Miami, and I think he's going to be a very interesting guy to watch, especially with Byron Jones not doing much in camp. He's going to get a few extra snaps in there, uh, but. Uh, asked him what he thought about Chris Westry, and he looked at him, he, he looked over at him. He's going, he said, he's going, man, that guy's a that guy's a corner. <laughs> I think that's the question: Is he really a corner? I, I don't know if he is or not. I, I'm just intrigued by him because we know what Chris Richard thinks of big corners. Yes, and this guy is the biggest. He's about as big as you can get. He's yeah. as big as you can get, uh, and he's fast and he's athletic. He was just apparently. 
terrible in his technique. Uh, yeah. And uh, and but there, I would expect though. Well, you can be too tall to have ideal technique at that position too, and I that's would, what they'll find. I mean, that's what they'll find out and work through here. I think what would be interesting to me, if nothing else, he'd be a great special teams player. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's. Uh, get, but I don't. I don't expect him to get on the roster. Do you? I would expect him more. They would try to get him on the practice squad. Yeah, me too. Uh, I would think. I, I think they feel there's too much technique. And again, he wasn't drafted, so that's most undrafted guys. You right. Now the thing is, if he flashes too much in preseason, then some other team. If you don't keep him, then some other team's going to. They'll have that decision to make. But. Yeah. Uh, I, I would think in their ideal world that, that Westry will be on the practice squad uh, yeah. this season. I would expect maybe even a couple of seasons there. Uh, but he's just interesting to me. Oh, who, he is, yeah. Who, who else in that, uh, of the rookies who were out there last week really intrigued you? Well, I'm intrigued to see how they use Pollard. I'm intrigued more by – Tony Pollard, it, the it, running back from Memphis. Yeah, it says more to me about – Kellen Moore and what this offense does and it does Pollard himself mm-hmm. because I recognize the skill set he has will they be able to get it to him and and but but it's interesting I, I think when so many people were talking about you know diversifying this offense and doing more things with it um what did they do they drafted two running backs yeah um they re-signed a fullback yeah uh they're going to diversify this offense it's still going to be a run offense first and second um, but now you're you're kind of change of pace guy, or 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 the creativity you're bringing is with this extra running back. It's not necessarily throwing four and five wide receiver sets out there. Yeah. So, to me, it told told you a lot about how this offense will uh, intends to diversify, and and it's going to be again throwing balls to guys out of the backfield who aren't Ezekiel Elliott and, and getting them in mismatches. Yeah. Uh, getting him in a mismatch. Of course, to me, that's always a question. Do, do you really want to do that? I mean, how, how much, how often do you want to take the ball out of Zeke's hands and put well, it in somebody else's? Sure. Exactly. Right? And so uh, I did think it was interesting that Garrett, it has to be successful when you do it, which is why last year you saw Rod Smith less and less because when yeah. he was getting the ball, he didn't do anything with it. That's right. Uh, so uh, let, me, let me ask you this, because I think I saw that Gary Brown said, Hey, uh, Tony Pollard's not just a specialty back. We we can run him at, at running back too. They feel that is their versatility with him, and and again, it it it's versatility and and intent and and keeping the other team off guard rather than true. Yeah, uh, sure. Wow, say- let's throw it all over the field. They're, what they're saying is, okay, if Elliott's off the field and he's back there, okay. We can still run it with him. Here's the package. Yeah, we can still run. We're trying to send a message. We're not just going to throw. Right. You know, we can run. This guy can run between the tackles. So, so in this in this case, creativity is actually running more sometimes in certain sets, or or giving a team a look where you don't know if it's going to be run or pass, and and maybe it's a fifty fifty thing like like New Orleans does with Kamara. So you keep defenses off guard that way. You know, I think there will be situations where. Elliott and Pollard both will be back there. And then what then how does a defense approach it? So that's the versatility, not oh this is going to be a different offensive system. The the versatility is disguising looks so okay, they always run in this from this formation. But are they going to run now or could they pass? And they're going to have to pass enough early out of those formations to get, keep defenses guessing over the course of the season. Absolutely, because, you know, for all the talk about 
you know, the, the age old thing about getting Lance Dunbar involved, which never happened. You know, they talked about it yeah. for years and it never happened. And a lot of that was his injury problems. Sure. But to, but to me, just to, to the point you were making there, if you're sending a guy in with it, this is the package that you have with this guy. Well, then the, the defense knows that as well. Right. Sure. So if you're not going to be running the ball, you know, and, and Lance Dunbar was not going to take the ball and run between the tackles. No. So if the guy doesn't have that capability, you've kind of removed. It's kind of like the, why the Wildcat disappeared. Sure. Because nobody had a Wildcat guy running the Wildcat who could throw the ball. It's why why teams keep saying you can do some creative things with Tavon Austin, but can you really? Yes, he can run the ball, but how often does he run it between the tackles when he's back there? No. No. So it's going to be around the edge. And yeah. so um and which again but you know, that's why they got Tavon Austin last year to bring creativity to their offense. Well health was the same thing with him. And I still go back to okay Sean McVay, the offensive genius of the moment, couldn't find a way to use Tavon Austin, but yeah. the Cowboys but the Cowboys in this could. system are going to. Yeah. So it, that that never made so, but but their argument with Pollard, and I guess we have to accept it till you see otherwise, is that well, he's a running back who is a receiving threat, not a receiving threat. Yeah. Who can run occasionally, which is what Tavon Austin is, yeah. and and he's a running back who can run all of the same things that Elliott does. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not as well, certainly, certainly not as well, but you can still run all of those plays with him. You couldn't do that if you had Tavon back there. So yeah. now you put him back there. Okay, teams are going to assume. Well, you're not going to run Pollard here. You know what? We're going to run him three straight times. If we get 12, 15 yards, then you're going to have to play the run. Now we can get it to him. You know, now yeah. we've set up the pass with him. So. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that works. All right, we're going to have to get out of here because we got to get Evan on. Evan's chomping at the bit. He's sending text messages. No, he's whining. Why not? Crying. Why haven't we started why, yet? Why, what's, why, what's going on? Why am I not on? Uh, so anyway, uh, we've had a uh, Mavericks uh, lottery uh, slash uh, Chris Stapp's Porzingis uh, podcast. We've had uh, Cowboys talking about rookie minicamp. And just real quickly, tell us what the schedule is for the Cowboys over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Really, a couple of events uh, away from the field this week. Uh, Travis Frederick uh, tonight at Top Golf is having his uh, uh, fundraiser for uh, hunger uh, to address hunger in the area. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, you will have uh, their annual, I think, the eighth annual home run hitting contest at uh, Dr. Pepper Park, where uh, eight players get out there, and then the money goes to Salvation Army. I believe they've raised three hundred and thirty thousand dollars in the previous seven years. Nice. Um, and this is the final, the second phase of the off-season program, which is coaches are working with the players on the field, but they're working in individual position groups. It's not offense against defense. Next week, the final phase of of the off-season program begins where you can actually run offensive against defensive plays. There's no hitting. They're not in pads. But you actually say, these are the plays we're going to run this season. These are the defensive looks. Let's see how it, let's see how it works. Let's see what we need to tweak. Let's see how we, how we go about this. So that, that begins. I'll be over the next three weeks and then a uh, mini camp in mid-June. And then uh, training, training camp will be um, a month away after that. Wow all bearing down on us just in time with the way the Rangers are playing now. (laughs) So uh, for everybody in here, to everybody out there, thanks for coming, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast.
Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.